Hello, and welcome to Professional Disaster. This is a podcast where we ask each other questions, and sometimes we maybe even answer them. Sometimes, somehow, some way, we might even answer them. Well, well. my name is Matt Norman. With me, as always, is my good friend, my pastor, my co-host, my whatever, uh, many other things, too. <laughs> the most important person you know in your life. I, I don't think Will Hebner. Yeah. That's who it's me. It's me, guys. I don't know if that last one fits, but um, I can dream, you know? <laughs> oh, man. How's it going, Pastor Will? It's going good, man. How you doing? I am doing pretty well. And, uh, you know, going to be a great episode today. want to kind of just take a second off the top here to talk about um, a couple of exciting things. Um, we've gotten a lot of really good feedback on the podcast lately, including a couple people um, sending some some really kind texts and actually using the email address. Uh, and that's uh, profdisaster2023 at gmail.com. Hey, can you spell that for us? I, I really cannot, <laughs> as, uh, as history would show us. Uh, that's P-R-O-F. D I S A S T E R, uh, the number two, the number zero, the number two, the number three at gmail.com. Which is the year of our inception. Is that yeah. the right word? I hope we're not going to regret that in like, you know, 25 years when we're still yeah. doing the podcast and people are wondering, why does it have 2023? 2023, what's that mean? But, yeah. You know what? I actually had a thought. Like, I don't know, like, at what point do, like, when, like, if somebody follows your podcast, at what point do like the first episodes just all of a sudden disappear and you can't get to them anymore? That's a good question. I've heard on some podcasting platforms it's 500. So oh, so we got a while to worry about a, that. Got a little while to go before we <laughs> begin our five times a week schedule <laughs> or something like that. But we got an email. We got an email. I have to give a shout out to uh, my brother, Zach Norman, who uh, who sent us an email. Thank you, Zach. Man, Zach, uh, really, really kind, very thoughtful email, um, and he would probably criticize me for saying the word very because that was part of his email. Uh, but but he just wrote a really good response. I won't read the entire thing, but just uh, he he kind of appreciated uh, the the really good interview with your your dad. Not not because of course anything that we did, but just because yeah. of him sharing his. Of course, uh, we had to bring on a guest to get an email. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure what uh, that says about us. Yeah, no, uh, but brother Zach, he just kind of did uh, a little bit of discussion about uh, the, uh, your dad's uh, journey and, and what that meant to him, um, and and especially that idea about uh, prayer and how we can kind of like take that 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 aftermath of prayer, you know, like what we perceive to be an answer versus what we might want to be the answer yeah. you know and and how our our heart and our demeanor has to be um he also i'll just i'll just mention this real quickly he talked at the end he was coming up with our uh, our question at the beginning was about quotes and so he had a quote and so he had a quote from dead poet society which is um a really good movie that i came to later after mm. um after becoming an english teacher I feel like this is the one time that I can say that I haven't seen the movie that you have. Usually it's the other way around. Yeah, it's a, it feels weird. He said, uh, uh, Zach's quote was, uh, so avoid using the word very, which I did earlier when I was talking about his email, but that's okay. That's very um, disappointing. <laughs> so avoid using the word very because it's lazy. A man is not very tired. He is exhausted. Don't use very sad. Mm. Use morose. Language was invented for one reason. Boys to woo women and in that endeavor... Laziness won't do, uh, which is an amazing line from Robin Williams in that yes, movie. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, and uh, Brother Norman just says that uh, that he tries to do that. And then he throws in um, a really sick reference. He says it's kind of silly because he thinks his writing skills have been termed as awkward, which, of course, is what 
I called his writing when I would edit his papers in college <laughs> as a young presumptuous English major thinking yeah. that I knew how to uh, to correct people's writing. But anyway, thanks, Zach. Really appreciate you yeah, writing man, in about thank that. You. Um, and <laughs> if you want to get in on these conversations, yeah, then, man. you know, comment on, on our post, email us, write a review. We're, we're glad to do it uh, to, to, to kind of bring up any perspectives or any answers to questions. And only that way, <laughs> if you come and talk to us in person, we're not going to pay attention. Or to if you it. text message us and expect a response, it's not happening. Even if you think that you're married to us and you deserve that connection, it's not, it's not going to happen. Somebody says, great podcast, guys. Just know that we're going to nod and say yes. Thank you. (laughs) No, we're kidding. We're kidding. Of course, having a little bit of fun here because you know it's fun. That's kind of what we're supposed to supposed to do. We're having fun. We're having good conversations, and I hope that you guys are enjoying it. Thanks for your great feedback on that. Yeah, man. So are we? Are we ready for our warm up question? I am so ready. He's he's so ready. Okay, I I happen to be ready too. This was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Me too. Yeah. The well, there's just there's so many choices, man. So I. I may just rattle off some some randos just just to give them a shout out. But the question of uh, the warm up question today is, what are your top three nostalgia movies? So the, the interesting thing is is that this this doesn't mean that like there are movies that you grew up watching that you don't think are that good anymore. Like it, it doesn't have anything to do with. For me, the question doesn't have anything to do with whether or not it was good or bad. To me, it's like, what are those movies that you remember growing up with that really just, like, when you think back, they kind of help define, like, your childhood. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what what are movies that you, like, that you watched that you went back to? And, like, Three Ninjas, Goonies, like, there's so many movies like that that yeah. I, like, I just kept thinking yeah. of. And those aren't in my top three, but I'll, I'll let oh, you man. go first. What, uh, what, are your, what are your top three nostalgia movies? The first one that I immediately thought of was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm. the original one um, from kind of the late 80s uh, period. Uh, I can't remember the exact year it was released, but if, it was my first movie that I saw in a movie theater. My dad took me and my uh, cousin, uh, Brad, to, to see that movie, and that was our— Sorry, Zach, you didn't get to go. <laughs> Zach was uh, a little young at the time, as I <laughs> I recall um so uh so yeah it was uh that is just i mean i was i had turtles fever when i was like you know when i was of that age that's a weird thing to say um man <laughs> i was <laughs> separately from that i also liked the teenage mutant ninja turtles uh, you didn't also have beaver fever did you <laughs> no beaver fever man that, <laughs> man talk about nickelodeon shows sometime we're gonna have to hey. get into that but anyway um I, I was consumed by the cartoon show of the kind of early 90s period had so many of the toys including like the the um the hideout and all of that kind of stuff too so that that consumed me for that period of time and then kind of kind of after that um another really important nostalgic movie that kind of comes to my mind is uh is home alone that one's mm. really really important to me um mostly i i kind of i I watched it with the boys a couple of years ago. They went crazy for it because it's just so funny at the end. All this terrible stuff that yeah. Kevin is doing to these, you know, these 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 you know house burglars. And I just remembered, yeah, this movie rocks. I forgot how much I I I just absolutely loved it when I was a kid. Forgot about it for like two decades, and now love it all over again. So that was one of the movies that I didn't ever really watch as a kid, mm-hmm. and I had a harder 
time appreciating it as an adult that's fair that's fair it's flawed right it's a weird movie yeah you know um and and honestly all of mine are also a little bit weird too um so oh uh, dude i'm gonna go weird on you so don't don't worry like they have some sort of like fatal flaw where i can't necessarily say oh this is this is great movie making or something yeah. but there might even you know. be one on my list that you've never even heard of so okay i can't wait my last one um is um men in black uh, mm. that, that is just again something that i felt like was just such a part of the culture at the time that it came out yeah. i must have seen it in theaters like four times when it came out movie. um i i love that movie that's one actually i would that kind of makes me feel old I know. I know. I, like <laughs> when you first said that i was like man that's not old enough not but old. it really it's is old. it's only <laughs> It's only almost 30 years old. That's it. Golly, dude, dude. Nothing makes me feel old than when I realize how old Elf is. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, it's, yeah. like, it's like 20 plus years old, yeah. I think, now. And I'm just like, what? It's really weird to realize that the, the uh, zero, zero decade was not oh, yeah. just 10 years ago. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was like... Oh man, but yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, those are mine. Uh, and and like you said, there are a million more. I thought about Space Jam because I just remember loving mm. Space Jam. There are a lot of them, but I won't. I won't. Everybody say get up. I think the music has a lot to do. Oh, with did that? You know, oh, yeah, dude. That one, the music that one in, in that one's great. Men in Black had a re- had really good music mm. too. You know, Will Smith had a, at the height of his powers. But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> we the Men in Black, yo. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Will Smith did a rap song for every every movie he was he had, in, and at that he time had that period. run. Yeah. <laughs> It's like sometimes I wasn't sure if the movie or the song was better. Like Wild Wild West. I was gonna say Wild Wild West. It's definitely like the the song's way better than the movie. But uh, that's exactly what I thought of. I uh, most of these for me are older. I'll go with one that we already talked about first, and that is the Labyrinth. Okay. Yes. And the Labyrinth is just one of those. I I was almost like might be defined as a cult film. That just I, I watched a ton as a kid. There's a couple characters. Obviously, uh, David David Bowie and the the pants that he wears. We'll leave it at that. But if you <laughs> if you if you know, you know. Uh, it's it's anything but not memorable. But there's there's a lot of really good stuff in that movie. I I loved that kind of stuff. I I know like the the Jim Henson world is real weird for some people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's these orange creatures that dance in that movie, and their limbs fall off. And like, I just thought it was like the most hilarious thing ever. Mm-hmm. Like, that, there are just so many great memories. There's a character named Ludo that I have a, a Funko pop of. It's like oh, just yeah, one of my, yeah. you know, one of my favorite favorite characters. Just 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 a solid solid movie. Uh, another one that we talked about, Suburban Commando. Okay, yes, amazing. So this is like, I, I grew up a huge Hulk Hogan fan. And this is one of those movies that like I watch with my brothers and and I, I say that too. I think part of the nostalgia for me is it's it's not just the memories that the the movies themselves bring back, but I really think that some of the heart of it too is is that it reminds me of an age where me and my brother sat on a couch and watched movies yeah. together and like that camaraderie, that brotherhood, like mm-hmm. just it it all kind of makes it makes the whole experience just like Yes. Like I remember like we went through a season where we every I think <laughs> for like three months we watched Dumb and Dumber when we got home from church. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Like, Excellent way yeah, to yeah, follow nothing, up. Church. Yeah, nothing nothing better to follow up church than watching Dumb and Dumber. Uh but the last one, I don't know if you heard of this, but this this is one of my favorites and I'm glad you said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I thought about saying the second one, but I'm gonna wait for that one because I really feel like that's in like like a top five movies all time for me, okay, cool. just that meaningful to me. 
But one of the characters in that movie, uh, Kino, is in another movie called Surf Ninjas. Okay, nope. I've heard of this one. <laughs> but I'm I, instantly all in. Oh, dude, I, I got to buy it. For, so it's, uh, oh, who's who's the guy from Wrongfully Accused, Naked Gun? He's in it. He's the bad guy in it. And it is just so dumb. Uh, it, it is like one of, it, it like it's not a oh, good yeah, movie yeah. at all. Leslie but, Nielsen. Yes, Le- Leslie Nielsen. He is, dude, it, it's just funny. And there's like karate in it. Uh, Rob Schneider's in it too. Like he's like he super. Sure is. Oh yeah, he's like I'm looking super at the poster young. right yeah. now. It's insane. Anybody that's listening to this, if you've not heard of this, you gotta look oh, up the poster man, if, at yeah. least. It's insane. And if you've never, oh, it's so. It's like I still love it. Like there's some movies that you like watch over again, and you're like, why did I love this as a kid? But this one, like, it's so dumb. It's so good. So I just, I just, I just can't get enough of it. Man. That's I don't incredible. Know what to tell you. I am looking at a poster right now where. Three ninjas, uh, two two of them appear to be adolescents. One of them is a fully grown Rob Schneider, are all riding one surfboard. All of them are holding ninja weapons. Leslie Nielsen appears to be drowning in the water underneath them. It's just, it's absolutely bonkers in the best way that, you dude, know, just kind of absolute schlock like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, dude, can I, be. It's an epic movie. You, oh, you have gosh. to. I got it on DVD, so I'm going to let you borrow it, and then you're not going to watch it, and then we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I'm sensing just a little bit of hurt uh, based off of what I've maybe done with every other movie that you've ever lent me. But uh, one That's of these days I'm going to watch them. So. Yeah. Um, speaking of content that we watch, yeah. we're, we're going to switch gears here. I'm going to hand it over to Matt. Uh, but the, the heart of, I think, what we wanted to talk about today, whether it's movies, songs, books, whatever we do, is just the, the effect that content has on our life. Yeah, it was. I thought it was a really kind of interesting idea as we were developing it, just because of how much presence this this content, this media, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, can have, uh, whether it be multimedia or, or, or even traditional um, books, which we'll, we'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, but but we're, we're going to turn our attention to music with this uh, this next uh, question, and this is a big question that we can definitely take a lot of different ways. So we'll just kind of kind of see how it goes, but. Uh, Will, I'm going to ask you to you, and you you taking a run with it. What what do you think about when I ask the question, how does music influence us in our lives? What's the first thing that kind of jumps to mind to you? I think emotion mm-hmm. is the first thing that comes to my mind. I I think about the role that music plays in my life, where I listen to music, when do I want to listen to music, certain music like motivates. So it, it can push you out of a season of tiredness, laziness. You know, if I don't want to go to the gym, if I don't want to work out, the right song can really change my attitude. If I don't want to do the dishes, if I don't want to clean the house, the right type of music is like, okay, let's do this. It's cleaning mode. You know, everybody, you know, let's take 10 minutes, put on some music and, and get to work. Uh, and even sometimes coming to church or going to work, and putting on, you know, a radio station like K Love that plays music, or if you have your own kind of playlist or you know whatever you know might listen to another Christian radio, but just the effect that worship music has on my attitude and my outlook of how I'm about to approach my day uh, can can be a huge thing. I, I think even even in worship, there's times where I I go to church and I I love moments of worship that I don't expect. 
like a song just hits you in the right way, whether it's the emotion of being in the room with other people, whether mm-hmm. it's the lyrics, whether it's the melody, it, it just, it hits you at just, like just the the right moment that just that changes everything for you. I'll, I'll like, and it doesn't even have to be, and I, I say melody too. And maybe, maybe that seems far fetched for some of you, but there, there was a time I was pastoring in Pennsylvania and I was having a rough week and I remember being in my office and I was doing like, like cleanup stuff. Like I wasn't doing anything important. So I, I put on music. I was cleaning off my desk. I was, you know, doing things here or there. And this, this song came on and I just had, you know, I did like all my songs on playlist mm-hmm. and it was on shuffle and the song came on and like halfway through the song, I just started crying mm-hmm. and the song is in like Spanish or Italian. Oh, okay. It's, cool. It's Josh Groban. And I had to look it up. I, I don't remember. I'm not smart enough with languages to tell you which one it was in, but I, I, the song's called Solo Porti. And I'm just moved by this song and just felt a, a comfort and peace. And I looked up the lyrics, what well, translated on my... <laughs> Yeah, sure. I knew what the lyrics were. I didn't know what they meant. And solo Porti was only for you. Uh-huh. And I really felt this like overwhelming sense of like peace. I'm sure that that song was probably written more so love from human to human, mm-hmm. like in, mm-hmm. a, in a romantic relationship. But for some reason, it hit me that day in a divine way of God only for you. Yeah. Like, and when, when I was at a point where I was tired, exhausted, frustrated, here comes this song that repeats over and over again, solo porti, only for you, only for you. And so it's just crazy how even the, even the melody of a song can be so impactful for, for mood. Um, so how, how that affects my mood, my way of thinking, like to, to me, it is, it's so impactful. I, what you're saying there makes a lot of sense to me. And that, that example is really crazy because, you know, you were able to kind of just discern that, that feeling from the melody. It had so much meaning to you. I had a very similar experience where, um, I was, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my, my sister, Kate, who, uh, who wrote a review for us last week. We just didn't know it at the time. Um, but, uh, <laughs> thanks Kate. <laughs> thank you, Kate. Um, but it was, it was her wedding and glad you um, have a supportive family, my family, <laughs> not mine. The Normans are really representing. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Um, but it was at her wedding and, uh, you know, I, you know, the song reckless love uh, yeah. and it's a, uh, it, it's a song I had probably heard at the time. I don't know, like. 500 times or something like that. It's very popular. It's, it's, it's one that gets played on K-Love or a lot of these stations over and over again. To the extent, my wife can definitely vouch for this, sometimes you hear a song so much and you're just like, oh, it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. You know, it's yeah. like I'm done with yeah. it. Um, and I thought I had gotten to that, but the way that, that was the song that the, um, my sister and her, uh, you know, her, her husband, uh, you know, because they just got married, um, used to, to walk out after service. And the way that the pianist played the kind of the, the opening um, bars of that, it just kind of like reverberated through my body in a way where it just kind of conveyed like the extra, you know, 
uh, seriousness, the, 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 you know, the sanctity of this mm. commitment that they've made. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you think about all the verses and everything. It just all kind of clicked into there just about how rich and deep this love is and how that's what we want to share towards other people, especially people that we want to bring enter into a marriage relationship with. And it was like just those just that loud kind of like dun, 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 dun thing. Just just kind of emphasize that in a way. Now the song somehow is, is more meaningful to me than it ever was just because of that, that experience, you know, that association. It's like you said, the emotions now are kind of connected to me. Music does that, I think, in a way that very few other types of art or communication can. You hear it and the association is immediately yeah. there. Yeah, it's crazy too because even my, my, my thought would have been like if you're deaf, you – you can't hear the music, but uh, you know I've I've heard stories of deaf people talking about how music impacts them even through like th they can feel it, yeah. they feel the the resonance of the bass beating and some of those things and like even that is so powerfully emotive like that just like I would I would just assume that oh man that stinks if you're deaf you just yeah you can't hear no music, music. And it's like yeah. they they don't hear it the way that we do yeah. But man, it's it's still still powerful in their life. I I got a question for you. Yeah. In my mind, music plays a a role not not just in emotion, but probably even in in education as well. As far as what we believe, you know, what is lyrically important. Uh, I I went through a season in my life where. I love rap music. I still love rap music, uh, mm -hmm. secular rap music, but I, I, I'm way more careful now. But I, I remember this moment where I was at a gym and I was working out and I saw a female and the thoughts that I had about that female mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. were very concerning to me. And I stopped in my tracks because of the music I was listening to. And I'm like, this is what the music is training me to think and feel yep. about that person. And it was such a scary moment for me that I was like, wow, I, I, I can't just tell myself because this, you know, people would say, you know, why as a Christian, why are you listening to that music? And I said, well, I don't pay too much attention to the lyrics. I really love the beat. I love the way they do this. I, you know, the music's just good. And Christian rap at that point was not fantastic. Um <laughs> So, I mean, which it, it's gotten so much better, which is so good for me. I'm so grateful for that. But there's a sense of negativity and like even like de desensitizing you to a certain belief system or to think a certain way. Yeah. And so I, I, I kind of see music in three different categories. It, it can affect you negatively. It can it can be neutral and it can be positive. Mm -hmm. And obviously for us as believers, we think more so positive music as in, you know, here's here's songs that, you know, are, are uplifting to God. But I, I wouldn't say that it's strictly for Christian music because there's artists like Michael Jackson, God forgive him for the rest of the garbage that he went through, and, you know, Bono. And there's guys like that mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily in the Christian world only doing Christian music, but they create positive songs. Yes. Sure. No, regardless of how you feel about Michael Jackson, he created music that he really was pushing like 
the black and white issue early on. He's 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 really pushing harmony and love and respect and let's heal the world. Let's like like positive like let let's get together. Let's love one another. Like mm-hmm. things that like you couldn't necessarily argue with like as far as somebody like even if you are a Christian like oh well yeah well that makes sense cuz we're supposed to love people so that's you know that's a good that's a good message yeah. but it's yeah. still it's in a secular song then you have music that's kind of neutral in the sense that it's not really hurting or helping that uh, this is probably terrible but the one thing that i thought of is that dumb techno song that all of us have stuck in our heads i'm blue abadi yeah, like, song. like oh yeah so, like <laughs> it's fun but I, I don't know that it For really a weird song, yeah. has a message or yeah. you know a heart and i mean people are arguing about what what is he actually saying what well, whatever it doesn't what you know whatever that means but i'm just saying like it doesn't i don't know that it has necessarily an effect on you in general but mm-hmm. then guarding your heart against negative content yes as far as what is this music saying there's there's a song by jason derulo uh that he basically says i i don't need to take you home and sleep with you because i'm doing it inside my head and i'm like i i hear women and and men singing songs like that probably innocently uh-huh. But I'm thinking to myself, do you understand? Like, that is like not okay. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, huge setup. Sorry about that. Okay. But you know, my question for you is like, wh- what do you see in your own life as far as is is there any type of barriers or anything that you do to try to either limit the negative and or boost the positive and is that always for you just a black and white secular christian decision oh great question yeah uh great great kind of series there i've got got my my kind of i don't know how you would describe it, journey i guess with with music in some ways really follows yours um for me it was i mean this is gonna sound really weird but you know I've got to be me. Um, I'm. Uh, it's. It was, it was like I listened to a lot of like uh, rock and roll and and kind of like really 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 hardcore uh, uh, heavy metal stuff sometimes. But it was always connected to um, wrestling theme music, right? Mm. I watched wrestling a lot as a as okay. a as a youth. Okay. And uh, and so it was like listening to all these guys, you know, come out to their their awesome th- you know theme music because they were going to go and they were going to beat the guy, they were going to win the championship or whatever. And so like. Like, you know, we, we talked about this. You you mentioned it a little bit before. You know, the music that I would use to kind of pump myself up to, to work out or when I was feeling really down and I need to kind of get myself ready, even for something as mundane as a meeting or something like that, that yeah. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I would put on, like, my, my favorite, like, wrestling theme for, like, you know, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme where he's just, you know, because he's got that that walk as he does stuff. Or um, <laughs> there's some there's some kind of, like, more fun ones, uh, too, like more, more kind of, like, current wrestlers. I, I guess. English professor gets fired for body slamming yeah. somebody in a meeting. <laughs> it's coming. Of course, uh, Stone Cold was really famous for using a lot of really bad language too. Um, when he was uh, in, back in 1997, that's that's why I wasn't allowed to watch WWF for a little while there. Um, but uh, but yeah, me coming in and just kind of like 
swearing up and down uh, would probably not be a great way to start English class. But <laughs> but so I would use that to kind of pump me up. But to your point, you know, a lot of the theme music that they would use is based off of aggression. It's based off of violence. Mm. It's based off of like these really negative behaviors that we shouldn't try to encourage in ourselves. Right. We don't want to we don't want to pump those things up. We want to have a certain amount of restraint about the way that we you know interact with the world. So it's it's definitely not a black and white issue because I, I 100% agree with you. I think that a lot of, you know, secular music is really useful for introspection, for examining oneself, for examining the condition of the world. Um, one of my favorite songs that I have sung in church in the past, even though it's not a, a, a you know, Christian song is the sound of silence by Simon and Garfunkel. Mm. And it's, and it's just something that kind of asks you to interrogate what it is that you put your value into. And there, there's a verse about, you know, the neon God, um, um, that, that everybody is like, you know, bowing and praying to, to the neon God they made as the mm. exact lyric. And it's like, you know, it's talking about uh, all of the flashy signs and everything that you can imagine seeing in a downtown square in Las Vegas or something like that. It's also talking about idolatry in a way that's just kind of like interesting to think about in our current context. Yeah. So I think about that kind of stuff. That kind of music can be really useful. But it's like what you said, you have to be careful because then there might be another song on the track that talks talks about something that's completely yeah, yeah. completely inappropriate. I think a lot about it when I think about my my kids too, right? They're getting to an age where they they, you know, might want to listen to music and I want to be kind of careful about that. Um it's not as much of a problem for my boys, but I know that a lot of parents have concerns about a lot of like uh, female artists' songs and how young is too young for, yeah. for young girls to listen to it because they're talking about really complex adult situations. They're talking about love in a way that maybe young girls shouldn't be thinking about. And yeah, yeah. it's like that, that's dangerous stuff if it gets out of hand. And, and I want to add to that too because I feel like Stephanie and I have, our, our daughter Malin is eight, and we've reached the point where. Okay, we listen to a lot of songs that are sexual in nature, but it's it's like sex undercover. Yeah, right. So, right, right. like for an example, we love that that Harry Styles song, "The Watermelon Sugar High." Uh-huh. Well, we all really know what the song's about, and so I think we kind of got to a stage where, like, okay, wh- where do we need to say, okay, maybe we shouldn't listen to this, even though lyrically it's not openly talking about this, right? But that's the that's the heart of of what the song's talking about is glorifying, you know, the the wonders of, you know, sexual activity. You know, however, you, you know, however you want to say that, you know, mm-hmm. being so like addicted to the flavor of yeah. a certain person, you know, you know, yeah, so like absolutely. And at what point and, and every generation has those songs. Oh, sure. sure. Um, you know, even I'm dying in your arms tonight. Like when I found out what that song was about, I was like, oh, wow, yeah. that's interesting or you know country has it too i'm gonna take a ride on my you know big green tractor like we don't know what the heck that actually means but like at what point do you have to be careful about you know with with your kids even though it it's not like obvious yeah to them at one point it is it going to be obvious to them and it's like oh wow i can't believe my parents let me listen to this yeah yeah, we have that a lot. Uh, not not to get off track from from music totally, but but certainly with movies and other entertainment mm. as well. You know, you can look back and you're like, wait a second, this was something I watched when I was Sam's age. 
was that was that good for me? Probably, you know. Yeah. I, I gave my dad a lot of uh, a lot of grief back at the time, but he was right to put restrictions on like the wrestling content I was watching because yeah. it, was, it was really raunchy at that time, and and it was not appropriate for me to watch when as I'm kind of going through you know that stage of, of my life that development yeah. there. Um, so I think it, it, you know if we kind of think about it in terms of like what music can do for every good thing that it can't do, we have to be on guard for it not accidentally or you know inadvertently doing the same thing as a negative, right? Yeah. There's so much, it has it has power, you know. It's a it's a it's a tool in in and of itself to um, change us or or you know adjust our way of thinking in a way, enhance certain attitudes or behaviors, and we have to be had to be aware of that. Yeah, one of the things that I feel like I noticed as a high school kid and then 12 years as a youth pastor in three different contexts, I really felt like the music that the kids listened to really fed into the sin that they got caught up in. Hmm. Okay, yeah. And so out in the country where country music is king, you know... Drinking and sex is the things that really were prevalent within, you know, high school kids because that that's what the the music is glorifying these things. And then in rap culture, you know, growing up in Tampa, you know, drugs were a much. And and I know that those things are everywhere. Sure. But it just seemed like there were pockets of where it was way worse because that's what the music glorified. It, it strikes me, you saying that raises, I think, a really interesting idea. Music, in particular, is something that people can... Because uh, one thing that's interesting about art of any type and culture is that one does not necessarily create the other, but they inadvertently kind of, you know, reinforce each other, right? So, so like, art is usually responding to something that is happening in culture, and then it also enforces that, or like you said, glorifies it in a certain way so that people are all like, yeah, I want to do, like, what whatever was going on there, right? We see this in, in all forms of media, like uh, movies and television shows, um, uh, literature, the difference maybe being that those take a while to produce, right? You know, uh, the turnaround for a movie or a television show or writing a novel or something like that can be extensive, years yeah. sometimes in the making. A song, if somebody has inspiration, could could come together in a couple of days. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's maybe something kind of more immediate about music mm. as well that I hadn't necessarily considered yeah, before cool. we started talking about it. it. The other thing that you triggered me on too. Sorry. No, no. Well, I, in, a, in a good way, maybe think about is that with music, sometimes you have artists that are pushing agendas that they don't actually believe in. Mm, yeah. I know that there's like an overarching theme where you, you get signed by a record label and they give you songs to sing. And, you know, I've heard some of those horror stories from, from artists that feel like I could never really, you know, do the music that I wanted to do. Even like, a, a a random band like MXPX is one of the bands that I grew up loving as a kid, and they came out with an album on Kickstarter that is basically just a crowdfund thing because they wanted to do the music that they wanted to do mm. instead of a record label telling them, yes, you can do this, no, you can't do that. And, and it's just interesting to me that uh, you can have an artist that promotes sex or you have an artist that promotes drug usage, but they don't actually 
live those things out. Uh-huh. You know what I'm uh-huh. saying? Like, and then, so now you've created this thing that, that there's a song that I really think is beautifully written that exposes this. And it's a song that Eminem did called Stan. Okay. Yes. And yeah. he answers this. There's this crazy fan Stan that's, you know, writing all this thing about being Eminem's biggest fan. And the, the last lyric of that is Eminem responding to him. And it's like, you've taken everything I said as literal. Mm-hmm. Like this is my life and this is what I do. And dude, no. Yeah. Right, right, right. Like it's just music. And so some people can't separate themselves. And so sometimes music has so much more of a negative effect because of what somebody is pushing, mm-hmm. even though that's not necessarily what lines up with their life. Like to me, that's a mm-hmm. huge problem. Yeah, absolutely. And again, because of the format that I think music takes place in, you know, all all media, all art can evoke reactions. It can kind of shape the way that we feel about certain situations. But songs are bite-sized. You know, yeah. you can listen to a song, you know, 20 times uh, within an hour or something like that, you know. or, or Oh, it, dude, you know what's crazy, too? I'm I, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm going to lose this, like— Think about how much more powerful a song is because when the lyrics are attached to a melody, they stick. Yeah, exactly. Like because, so yeah, so it, it's it. it's in there and it can get put on repeat in your brain. And I, I wouldn't even have thought about that. But even like, I still remember most of the lyrics to the alphabet song that I learned in high school about the Spanish alphabet. Uh-huh. Like I'm yeah. never A B C H A D F A. Like I'm never gonna forget that. Like it's stuck in my brain because it's attached to a melody. So it's almost like you could say that music is so much more dangerous because it can get stuck on a loop in it, there. It persists in a way, you know. It, it yeah, it gets but kind of codified in the memory. It can also be just as positive. Yeah, yeah. Because you and, and I would say too, there's days that I wake up with a song in my head. And I like I have like key certain like hymns or choruses or contemporary songs that I try to start singing in my head because yeah. I want to change that because I like I I don't want to be thinking about this so I'm I was like, great is thy faithfulness uh-huh. so that like I'm I'm trying to work myself out of you know with with positive yeah that's beautiful I think you're exactly right there and I I love it. Um, you know, I think the best Christian music does this when it adheres pretty closely to a piece of scripture or something like that. Because then, what what a person is learning as they repeat those songs is that they're coding those scriptures into their heart in a in in kind of a different way. Um, yeah. that, Thank that, you, that, King David, for <laughs> writing so many psalms. I mean, it's it's amazing, like how much scripture people don't realize they have memorized because you know it's in a song. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point, because for as, as silly as this example is of me walking outside of Texas Roadhouse one time and hearing Alan Jackson's uh, uh, Itty Bitty, uh, Little Bitty, uh, Little Bitty uh, song, and it just, <laughs> and, and, and the muscle memory, and not the muscle memory, but the memory of those lyrics from uh, 20 years ago when I'm driving back and forth to, to work out on the eastern shore of Maryland, you know, driving to the golf course and listening to Alan Jackson, you know, uh, blast those out. I, get, I hit every single word, uh, even though I hadn't sung that song in 30 minutes. The same is true for, you know, some of the most uh, precious hymns or, or Christian songs from my youth, too. And those are ones that I come back to as well. Um, Wow, I mean, just really, really important that we were intentional about that yeah. with our with our children, with with people around us that we care about and love. I got another question for you. Mm. Leave it up to pastor to go spiritual. 
We know through Scripture that at what some point, we don't really probably understand the complete timeline on this, but at some point, Satan's job was oh, choir director okay, yes. of heaven. He, he basically, he was an, an instrument. Thinking about him and his fallen nature and his previous job title, what, what do you think that communicates about how he affects that industry and uses or, or attempts to use music to pull people away from... Yeah, I, I know it, it is so small-minded to lump worship into music. Oh, sure, sure. Because sure. worship is the way God. that we yeah. honor God by the way that we choose to live. But one of those expressions, and just a part of that, is, is worship music and how effective it can be if Satan can get us through that vehicle to worship something else. It's an interesting idea. I'd never thought about that before, but you're right. There, there's something very compelling about the similarity of that, that kind of like the, the beats of that story, so to speak, right, of Satan being, you know, um, in, in an elevated position, you know, mm. having, having you know, a, a choir director, of course, leads people, directs people. There, there's, you know, at least when we think about it in human terms in this world, right, there's a certain amount of attention and, and you know, kind of um, achievement that comes with that too, right? Um, you know, everybody's looking at you. Everybody's, you know, uh, you're, you're giving the glory to, to God. I, sorry, I, I lost my train of thought halfway through there. I can't help but find it very similar to today's um, worship leader and and some of the, the the challenges, the temptations that are involved in that, right? Yeah. Somebody standing up on stage, leading in worship before the message or after the message or, or whatever it might be. You know, we do it for the right reason, speaking as somebody that, that sings on our, our church's worship team. But at the same time, when people come up to you and they say stuff like, oh man, great job, great song, you know, whatever it might be, it's yeah. hard not to also take a little bit of that and say, yeah, I did do a pretty good job, <laughs> you know? Um, it's like, no, 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 it's, you know, it's all it's all God. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I did do that. Okay. Right. You know, and, and over time, an eternity of time, perhaps, you know, not literally eternity, but you know, countless years, potentially, you know, how much arrogance can that kind of cultivate Mm. in someone? And does that go right back to what we're talking about as far as what caused Satan to fall? Maybe there was enough angels that spoke into that over the years. I wonder. I heard somebody say this and, and I love it. It just talked about how Satan was supposed to be the instrument that worshiped God, but instead of worship going through him, he wanted the worship to come to him. To be, yeah. And and I wonder if that that's exactly what you just talked about mm-hmm. and probably is one of the human issues is that at some point pride causes us to desire that because it feels good. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, you did a good job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I you know, am pretty good. I know I worked very hard at uh, practicing this song, so that must mean that you know I did it. You know, which it's like... which which comes. It's so funny to me that it feels like all of that is pride is fueled from insecurity, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like fighting back the I I don't want to be a nobody. I don't want to be worthless. And when people speak into that, now I'm prideful. And now I'm like, yeah, look at me. But it's yeah, really like right. I'm terrified of yes yes <laughs> that not being true 
Oh, and, and isn't it so that, you know, I mean, we, we, we crave as much of it as we can possibly get because just one one negative thought or one negative word or whatever rips it all away, basically, you know? Yeah. So, again, it comes from this deeply insecure, almost broken place of being like, I need constant validation. <laughs> and if I don't get it, uh, then uh, then, then I, I worry that I'm worthless or something yeah. like that. Uh, and, of course, the flip side being that if I get too much of it, then um, – I'm lost in a whole different way, you know? Well, I've got to say, one, I am very mm, yes. happy yeah. about us. Truthfully, we don't always know what we're going to get into yeah. when we talk. And I don't know that I've understood how much I was going to enjoy this conversation because we got into things that I didn't think that we would necessarily get into. And I've, I almost want to say that we might need to just like table like this conversation for an, another episode someday to, to keep this conversation going because it's there. I feel like we've gone off into so many different, like it, absolutely it, it's, it's so much bigger than I've, imagined and 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 folks if if you have thoughts on this we would love to maybe do like kind of like a follow-up episode bring in some more perspectives on this other examples other experiences we could read them we could you know kind of bat them around a little bit just to see how they align with our experiences something you know we that would be really fun to do yeah. something like that but we're gonna we're gonna switch gears here we're gonna get to the most important question and to kind of carry a through line we we talked about movies we've talked about music now we're going to go to a book the most important book in my opinion yeah which is the holy bible or if you're spanish santa biblia <laughs> the other day i was talking to my mom and i was like she's like what you reading i was like la biblioteca and then i was like no nope, no nope, that's not it that's library i'm not reading that's the not library that's right. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Not today. Not ever. No, no. But um, the question we want to ask today is we're, we're going through, like, what's, what's your favorite book of the Bible? That is a lot. So we're, we're going to break it down into categories, and we'll probably tackle some of these categories throughout the time. But today we're going to focus on the Gospels. Uh, there's four of them, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're the first four books of the New Testament, just in case there might be somebody out there. That I, I appreciate this. No, this is great. And these are the books that record the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. For you, Matt, the question is, what, which, which gospel is your favorite? And is there a lesson that you've learned throughout your years from that specific book that's really been a life-changing lesson for you. Yeah, um, I, th I think we're going to have the same answer for this, um, but it's John. It's the book of John. It didn't used to be. It used to be Matthew because that's my name. And uh, and that was not a very good reason for it to be my favorite gospel, right? Um, <laughs> um, I, I think We did talk about pride. <laughs> yeah, right. The, uh, the, the gospels, each of them are, you know, really interesting and beautiful in their own way. And I think some people sometimes have misconceptions about what they, what, what, how they, they kind of each 
perform a very interesting function in kind of conveying the yeah. the, the the story of Jesus's ministry on earth and his death and resurrection for for um, you know the the extent that they are covered in in those um, gospels. But John to me feels the most complete. Like it's it's the one that feels like it's written as a way to really fully respond to misconceptions that were misconceptions that were happening at the time and and teach in that way now, now all of them are useful for teaching right I, yeah. I recognize that but you know if when you kind of look into some of the background of why john was written or what was going on at the time there's just a lot of interesting stuff about people doubting the divinity of christ or you know what what presence he should have in people's lives and and john is just really right to the point you know that he he provides a lot of examples of jesus saying nope it's me right i am the way the truth and the life and that's that's really critical i think you know that 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 kind of certainty that's in there uh that to a large degree is unambiguous right it's really direct you can't you can't miss it in a lot of ways the lessons that come from that yeah you're right it's my favorite too and i think for a lot of the reasons that you just said i'm definitely like a get to the point kind of person Mm -hmm. And I feel like John does that better than anybody else. Like that, like these, these are the highlights. And I really appreciate the fact that I, I know that a lot of people, they see the gospels and they say, well, goodness gracious, like there, there's so many discrepancies or which there's really not, but not as many, as no, think, not, not, not as many really, as you think. Not really. Um, and, and they're, they're, it works. Yeah. I mean, they're, it all works yeah. They're the minor yeah. and, or, you know, here, here's some of the things that, he said this, but why didn't he say that? Yeah, and it's interesting because I, it might not be in John, but in one of the Gospels it talks about if we recorded everything that Jesus did, goodness gracious, you'd be reading forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like these are the highlights. But these were and written so it, that you may. Believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's crazy to me that in four different authors, so many of the highlights are the same. Yeah, and so I, but but for me, I I think John is really like. Th- this is what matters most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what what would what was that lesson for you that you really feel like out of, out of the Book of John that no. such a great book you can't even, can't even remember the lesson. <laughs> no, I think you know uh, the thing that really kind of shook me not shook me but but really really spoke to me um when when the one of the last times that i studied through john was the conversation that jesus has with peter um towards the end of the book and peter asks a question about like well what about john you know like and and jesus basically just says you know if john if if John's not going to die until I come back, then that's for, that's between me and him. Basically, you know, you just need to do the thing that, that I have tasked you to do. Um, and, and in that, I think there's like a lot of interesting, you know, I, I can sense almost, you know, historically or whatever, there might've been some dynamics of like, you know, is that John 21? Yeah, I believe so. Right. It's, it's like in the conversation that's happening, like with the fish and, and like, um, right towards the end. And, uh, and, and, and it just kind of, it kind of put me in my place too, about like what we, what we need to think about is like what our role is in serving God and how we need to not, not try to take on too much, you know, like, like this, this idea of like, oh, oh I need to know what everybody else is doing. I really don't need to know what everybody else is yeah. doing. Everybody has their, their own relationship with God. Work out your own salvation. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so, so there are like a million little lessons like that too. Yeah. Overall, the overall lesson that I take from it is just just how like just absolutely certain it is about you know the divinity of Jesus and and how he is the the way that we get to heaven. And and you know there's there's no confusion about that. It's not like well you, you know it's, it's a little unclear here about like you know what it means to be born again. It's really not. You know it's like yeah. it's like really it's it's like a really clear in not instruction book, but it just just a really useful guide for um, how we need to think about our relationships with with God, how we need to think about Jesus, and how we're supposed to live our lives there. Yeah, I think John 21 might be the reason why John is my favorite. That might be my favorite chapter in the whole New Testament, maybe the whole Bible. There's just so much good stuff there. And Jesus' interaction with Peter... Uh, at the, at the end is just they're man it's just it's just chock full full of good stuff. I I feel the same way the same book for me so I don't necessarily want to dive into to why I'll just share one of the things that I I feel like really spoke to me and maybe even like hopefully it's kind of a weird way but hopefully it'll make sense. There's a scripture that I had to memorize. As, as a kid and in college, I had to memorize it again. It was John 15, 5. Uh, For I am the vine, you are the branch. If a man remain in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Mm. Apart from me, you are nothing. That part really got me. Now, fast forward. I'm probably, I'm in Oklahoma City. I'm, I'm in, I don't know, my ninth or tenth year in youth ministry. And I'm going through a really difficult season in my life. And I'm really, I'm one of those people that's really hard on myself. I'm my own worst critic, you Me know. Too. Um, Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the club. I'm also your worst critic. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You're pretty, you're pretty nice, so. But I was, I was going through this season. I really felt propelled to go to the altar. Uh, and I'm praying at the altar, and I pray, and I pray, and I pray, and I'm just kind of confessing, and I'm working through stuff with God. And I kind of get to this place at the end of my prayer where I just keep repeating, I got to be better. I got to be better. I got to be better. I got to be like, that's like, that. I'm I'm just, I'm just on repeat in my mind. Like, I, I have to do better. I'm a pastor. I'm this, I'm that. I'm a husband. Like, I, I can't, like, I have to do better. And I felt like God just reached down and was like, you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't do better. It is impossible for you to do better. I don't want you to keep trying harder. It's not about trying harder. It's about surrender. Hmm. And that verse came to my mind, John 15, 5. And specifically that end part of that verse where it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And it was like, oh, I don't need more me. I don't need more effort. I need more surrender. Hmm. And that to me was such a powerful lesson in that moment that I, I've got to quit trying. There's this great illustration that I've used before just about lifeguard training and that there's a lot of lifeguards that are trained to wait until you give up to try to save you. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if they try to save you when you're trying to save yourself, you're, you're, they can get I mean, they're just, they're just, they're having a panic attack. So yeah. they can, they can hit you and pull you down under two. And I just felt like, wow, what, what a beautiful picture of what God is asking from us is to just quit fighting. Hmm. 
surrender and, and, and just going on a journey. Obviously, we don't have time to talk about that, but going on the journey of figuring out, okay, what does it look like for Will Hebner to surrender, yeah. to quit trying harder, and to let him change me. And, and some of that is quit working out of my own effort yeah. and take more time to be in his presence yeah. and let him change me. Wow, that's powerful, and um, I'm really thankful for it for a lot of different reasons, but also because it just gave me my final thought. So I think we're in pretty good shape to uh, to move along here. Well, if you got it, you can go first. Then. I will gladly go first. No, we're we're getting into kind of like the the close to the end of the podcast. We'll share some of our takeaways or final thoughts here. Um, up until the last minute or two, there, my final thought was I need to start returning some DVDs that I'm not um, <laughs> returning very quickly. Um, so that's still one of my final thoughts. But another one was just really building off of that idea, um, very powerful idea about surrender. And I can't help but think as we kind of have some of these these conversations about media, about the things that we're letting into our system mm. and, and everything, just how important yeah. it is. You know, I, I know that I did. I talked about it in terms of like, you know, we need to be intentional about it. We need to be on guard from it. And to some degree, I mean, these are, these are all good habits to cultivate, but we need to be in the presence of the Lord because that's where we get the godly wisdom and discernment to be able to say, wait a second, no, I shouldn't listen to that. That's bad for me. You know, that is going yeah. to influence me. This badly. is not helping me. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to your point, you can't just do it through short, sheer force of, you know, determination, right? It can't yeah. just be like, oh, I know that this is bad for me, um, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let it, you know, get yeah. into my heart in a bad way or something like that. You know, I, I know I should stop listening to this in front of my kids or something like that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure it'll be OK. You know, God will place it on your heart to just say, like, hey, no, don't don't do this. You know, like th this is not good for you. It's not good for your children or your family or your thought life or whatever yeah. it is. And I think the the good thing about it is that the more that we are in lockstep, the more that we surrender and what whatever that looks like. And and like you said, good good topic for for consideration for for a future episode. We could we could get into that. That would be fun. But um, but the more that we do that, I think the more that God will just bring that to our minds a lot a lot faster. So I want to think about that a lot more as, yeah, as I kind cool. of go through this next week or so. But what about you? What about yours? So it's, it's comical to me that you got your final thought at the very end and I got mine at the very beginning. Oh, man, beautiful. So I was way less stressed during this episode than you were. <laughs> you, you said something about being at a wedding. I don't, was it your sister's wedding? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be wrong and be misleading. No, you got it. And so here you have a song that maybe was overplayed, wasn't as powerful to you at, at some point. And then for some reason, in the right context, at the right time, all of that changed for you. And that, I thought, was a really powerful thought, depending on what season we're in. <laughs> and depending on where we are, what we're experiencing, how we're experiencing it, and how all of that can change. And how a song that maybe wasn't as impactful to you just needed the right moment mm -hmm. and in the right context. You know, all that, all that changed for you. And I, I just, to me, I was just thinking about how powerful that is because we, we, maybe this is just me as a pastor and I don't think I hear it as much as people pretend like we hear it, but I know that there are a lot of people that are in churches or 
and I've I've said this sometimes I can't stand Christian radio because they play the same ten songs over and over again. Right, exactly. It seems like, but you can come to church on Sunday and they could be playing a certain song and you're like, man, I don't really like this song. And to me, your, your attitude is not allowing for the right context Mm -hmm. for that song to be powerful to you or, or just understanding that maybe that song is not meaningful you to you right now, but maybe it will be in the future Mm -hmm. or maybe, maybe even just thinking about, like being open to like intentional about caring what the lyrics say Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and caring what mindset that you're in and, and how those things can affect the way that you experience. Me and my wife would talk about this when we were, uh, you know, uh, uh, singing in, you know, church choirs. And sometimes we would be introduced to an anthem and be kind of like, I'm not feeling this one. But <laughs> sometimes you practice it and you really think about the lyrics a little bit more and, and you know, some of the, the key changes. And, and, you know, just by staring at the music for what can be like hours over the course of a month or something like that where you're really yeah. going through it, you start to realize, oh, man, there's something really interesting going on here. And that's that's where it usually kind of breaks through for me is where I realize, oh, man, no, there's something cool about the, what they've done with this yeah. song and and that that's that's kind of that beauty that comes through that i think um all, all good things like all all art and and a lot of other uh media or, or just just beauty in general when you kind of realize the complexity of it that's where you realize oh man no that god's in this too yeah that's cool well i think that's all she wrote I think I think we're in a pretty good place. Yeah, man. If you uh, if you're still here, thank you so much. We appreciate every listen. We appreciate every person. Yeah, we hope that that listening to this is one of the things that you realize. I've got to cut this out because it's bad for me. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. All right, professional disaster out. See you. See you. Have a good week.